Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Just Two Dads. I am Sean Francis, uh, your uh, co-host, and I am with my partner in Thrive and co-host Brian Altunian. And we have a great show for you today, as always. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, and um, all we can say is, let's get going. And welcome to Just Two Dads. Hey there, I want to say hello to everybody and, uh, you know, whether you're joining us live on Facebook, um, wherever uh, podcasts are found, um, or in the U.S. Virgin Islands on WSDX Radio, we welcome you. Um, want to get started and give a hello to my co-host, partner and thriving friend and business partner, Mr. Brian Altunian. Brian, how are you doing? I'm good, Sean. I'm good. In a different little, uh, different setup, different environment today as we're doing some some filming for another project that we're working on. So uh, I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a, I feel like I'm in a cave, like I'm in a different, I'm in a different world. So um, I'm sure I'll get my bearings here at some point. So <laughs> I'm glad to be doing this. And, uh, and this is our 53rd episode too. So, so Maura, we're really honored. You're really helping us kick off our second year of doing just two dads. I know. Um, I have to say, I was a little jealous when I heard that you hit 52 last week. I was very jealous. <laughs> Well, we, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, actually now several years ago, Sean and I decided in the financial services business that we do together, that we wanted to provide financial support to folks in the special needs community. And then we were meeting such great people who were contributing so much to the community that we thought, man, these are great conversations to be having with people we should be sharing with everybody. And Sean said, yeah, we should do a, we should do a podcast. And so we kicked off Just Two Dads a year ago and uh, we we're fortunate to fortunate enough to have such great, you know, great guests. And, you know, today's no, no exception, but, you know, what's turned out, what turned out to be just a conversation between two of us is now on Facebook live. We have our own YouTube channel. We're, we're on podcasts everywhere, Google, Apple, iHeart, Spotify, where Pandora, wherever you can hear podcasts. And then down in the U S Virgin islands on WSTX AM radio. So our, our network is expanding, our reach is expanding. And that means that more people are getting access to phenomenal folks such as as yourself but sean thank you for kicking us off today i usually am in control and today more i'm just letting go of all control i have no control over the show <laughs> at all today so this is going to be a weird experience for me i'm not sure what to do with my hands now uh, well, I'm sure. enjoy the ride <laughs> yeah I'm and with that let's get started our guest today is miss maura cleary and uh more welcome Thank you. Thank you. So excited to be here. I was yes, really, yes. really honored you asked. No, m more than more than welcome. We're we're glad to have the opportunity. And we usually kick the show the show off by having everyone um, tell us about uh, themselves. You know, each uh, of us is a hero in one way, shape, or form. As we're in the middle of our battles, we probably don't see ourselves as such, but we are. And each hero has uh, a superpower, which usually starts with some kind of love and compassion, but who you were, um, you know, as a child, how you were raised usually affects the hero that you become. So why don't you start with telling us about that all the way through to your journey and introduction into the special needs community? Yeah, you know, I'm actually glad that you said, you know, your childhood impacts where you, where you go in the future. So I was one of those kids that I never felt well. Um, the schools, I, they would get testing for things. And, you know, I was order, always borderline of something. And the doctors really could never figure out what was wrong with me. You know, I'm Irish, clearly. So they would say, you're Irish. That's just the way you're made. You know, live with it. 
Oh yeah. But you know, that, that was a long time ago. Things have definitely changed, especially in the last 10 years, I even think. Um, fast forward to when my first daughter was seven years old and she started having the same issues that I was having. And I had this epiphany. I was sitting in her bed one day and I thought, why can't you just suck it up like I've been doing for the last, you know, some odd years. And it dawned on me, like, why should she have to? So we started the journey of just bringing her to the doctor and the doctors really hadn't changed much. They were pretty much, you know, all kids have this, it's nerves. They write things off. Right. And along the way, um, both my daughters, when they were in elementary school, they were always have casts or splints or crutches. Like we have every piece of durable medical equipment in our house as possible. And we'd go to the doctors and they'd say, oh, it's just that kind of kid. Oh, they're just too active. Again, writing everything off. And then when they hit puberty, like in middle school, all heck broke loose. It was, you know, their anxiety was debilitating anxiety. They, they couldn't do stuff. Mm. Um, so we would get that under control. Like how can they go to college if they can't if they're so debilitated, they can't even do a sleepaway somewhere. So we got that under control. And then my youngest was having issues uh, with migraines. And so she's honestly had a migraine since she's in sixth grade. And now she's a senior in high school oh, every wow. single day. So she has chronic migraines. Um, but then, you know, we always were going to the doctors and always questioning. And then when my oldest daughter uh, was entering her senior year of high school, she was at uh, practice and she felt like a rag doll. All of the muscles in her body gave up and we couldn't find any answers. We went to all the doctors, all the specialists, and thank goodness our insurance changed. So we had to go see and we had to find a new primary care doctor. And I found one that was also a geneticist. And my daughters walked in, you know, never feeling understood by anybody. And she said, I totally get you. Like I have patients, like all my patients are like you. And I thought at that moment, like all three of us were going to cry. Wow. So long story short, they have since then, um, now it's been three or four years, altogether been diagnosed with 18 conditions. Wow. Wow. 18 yeah. each? 18 all to 18 together, between the two of them. Together. Wow. There's many that are overlapping. Yeah. Um, but there are certain ones, like I know for a fact that my daughter had fibromyalgia before she was 14, but the doctors didn't know what to do with it because 14 year olds shouldn't have fibromyalgia. Right. Wow. You know, it's those kind of things. Yeah. So when she, I had a, like, I had one year before she went off to college and I was bound and determined to get her the answers she needed, the proper treatment. Um, she was diagnosed with MECFS, it's chronic fatigue syndrome. Mm -hmm. And at the time she was in a wheelchair sometimes and you know movement was difficult so we got her to a, the correct specialist and by may she walked down graduation in 90 degree weather it was amazing wow and wow. um our other daughter she started a new treatment and she was able to go to school full-time uh, that august so with both of them like in college and doing school i realized that i had I was so worried about trying to figure out how to care for them that I'm a, um, a life coach and a Reiki master. I'm all about self-help. I am all mm -hmm. about self-healing. Yeah. And I had let it all go because my sole focus was to make their lives as livable as possible so they could have their dreams. So then I reached out to our community and I would put out questionnaires like, is this something you really need help with? 
And I just got like a huge influx of, of yes. So I spent a year really redesigning my coaching practice to really help uh, other parents that had kids with medical conditions. Mm -hmm. And that's when I also realized there's so many resources out there, but they're all, they all feel hidden. Right. And because of that, I wanted to start bringing all of those pieces to the puzzle in together. Yeah. It's interesting. It's sort of like all those things that are like, well, if you know, you know, within this situation, right. like if you don't know, you don't know, like you in trying to find, you know, find your way through, get access to this, unless you know somebody, you really are kind of left in the dark. Let me ask you a question. The treatment that your daughters, that your daughters had that, that were successful to allow them to go to school, were those just traditional Western medicine treatments or did, was it a combination of that and Eastern medicine or how, what was it that in a very short period of time that you were able to get them to, to be able to walk down the aisle of graduation and get to college? Yeah, um, I have, I clearly being a Reiki master, I really don't care where you get the help from, like as long as it helps, right? You know? Yeah, so, so we, you one or the other or any. My, my poor daughter with the migraines, she had every type of um, puncture that she could possibly have along with everything else. But in the end, she, yeah, she actually got Botox and now she's on adult medications. She's been approved um, through the insurance to get adult and it's helped so much. Mm. And our other daughter, they she just needed to go to a specialist that knew how to handle uh, CFS and how to attack it and what blood work to find so she could give her the correct medicine and supplements in order to uh, live. So. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Obviously, everybody responds. Everybody responds to medicine and yeah. differently. So, I was just curious, as you said, like is this like miracle treatment in, in here? But I yeah, think oh, it's not me. I mean, she still deals with pain and and so forth on a daily basis, but yeah. she at least has energy. I think she's only used the wheelchair like twice the last year, which is Interesting. amazing. Interesting. That's incredible. Yeah. That's wow. Wow. And so you and so you change your coaching practice then to. Is that right? To focus yeah. on families who are dealing with medically complex issues. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting because when I actually sat down and and really looked through my past clients and how I helped them and, and the process I did, all of them had kids that had special needs. It was really fascinating. Mm. Yeah. So it's almost like one of the things I think about it, it's almost like the journey. I couldn't really understand where my clients were coming from until I had gone through the process myself. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. So what kind of time frame are you looking at between your starting your practice and then having to redefine it? Yeah. So when I started the practice, um, I think it was seven years ago. So I just started. So I was just in the first two years of coaching. Um, mm -hmm. I coached teenagers and I coached uh, parents. Um, and then I had to leave. I had a stop coaching completely i would maybe have one off client a year and it was really because mm -hmm. i didn't have time i was going to all the doctor's appointments and researching and trying to figure out how to get their kids oh and also you probably know you never know when that phone call from the school is going to come <laughs> right and i had no. two kids <laughs> you know and, and go get them so that that was a lot of it as well sure amazing uh and 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 so and i know sean we in the comments we've got we've got mora's um do you want to put her link up there on the screen mm -hmm. sure sure and, sure tell me about you, you call the surviving the waiting room is there is there tell us about that that where that yeah. came it's interesting yeah that's a, no one's asked me that question yet so far thank you um when it first started when first started i was talking to a good friend of mine and 
I was just saying, you know, I can't blog. I, I just don't have time for all this stuff. And she said, you know, you should start, you should start a blog. Like when you're in the waiting room, like you can listen when you're in the waiting room. And so here we are afterwards. I thought, you know what? It's time. And so we started surviving the waiting room. Uh, literally, if you're literally or figuratively inside the waiting room. Yeah. That, so they're always short episodes. They're always about 15 minutes long. Mm -hmm. So you can digest them and then. Hopefully this from more of a, a coaching standpoint. So it's like tips and tricks and things to it. think about as you're moving forward. Interesting. Okay. How long, have you, how long have you been doing that? Oops, sorry about that. No, no, I um, waited to take a drink to ask the question. <laughs> just to just keep you on your toes. Yeah. See, yeah you I said take a that. sip. That's one thing. You said take a drink. For people that are catching this on <laughs> Apple and don't have the, the visual on YouTube, they're gonna be like. Take yeah, a drink. I guess that's I guess that's one of the therapies they use. They take drinks. Yeah. No, they no, take drinks. Yeah, numb that pain. Um, <laughs> no, I uh, I just actually started in January. So I, I as I was telling you, I have um, when I thought about all the different ways to to help people, one of them was to bring everybody together in one place. So I started a summit. Uh, the first one was in February, and a good friend of mine was like, you know what? If you're going to start a podcast, you need to do it today. So starting January one, you're going to do the podcast, and so. That's what I did. I started January 1 of uh, 2020, 1, 2021. And uh, it's been fun. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's awesome. We, we Again, that's why we do it. I uh, I was reading I was reading something about on, on somebody made a comment. I don't know if it was on Twitter or whatever. It's like if you want two grown men to have a um, to have a meaningful, <laughs> deep conversation, put microphones in front of them and call it a podcast. Um, <laughs> and I think that Sean and I probably, uh, yeah, probably fits our, fits us, but, but uh, we enjoy it so much because first of all, we learn a lot and we meet phenomenal people and we've been fortunate enough to kind of connect people as well because, you know, they're people from all over the country and, and every state is dealing with, you know, special needs issues differently and access to resources again is different. And so the broader the reach that we can, you know, that we can, that we can create with this, with this podcast, the more, the more we're going to serve people. And so you're, you now, and we're in a zoom era these days or a lot of online. So are you, do you deal with your clients all electronically? It's all, is it all virtual? Is it, you're not doing any in-person in consultations, right? Yeah, actually, believe it or not, I was ahead of my time. I always did all of my calls on the phone. And I didn't even do a Zoom because to me, it was like a little bit too distracting with all the all the things going on. So I actually mm -hmm. would always have phone calls. And like I said, when I first started coaching, it was really with teenagers. So a lot of it was life skills. And I would say, you do know I can't see you nod your head, right? <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it's just, you know, getting people to learn how to use a telephone and it's, it's becoming a lost skill, I have to say. So <laughs> I still sure. um, I do coach on, on video, but I am I'm just as comfortable just doing it on a phone call. And it's, sometimes it's even easier, especially with Wi-Fi issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, you've uh, you've written a, a book, too, correct? I wish. Is that, is that correct? Do you okay. think I wrote? Just because I, I, I saw something that popped up on um, uh, on Amazon surviving the waiting room. And I was like, what is maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's your podcast. It was probably my podcast. Yeah. Cause I okay. do have my podcast on, on, uh, on Amazon, on Amazon um, as well. You know okay, what? Good. It would not surprise me if there's a book that's called surviving the waiting room, you know, just, no, no, no. This was your, this was your banner. And I was oh. thinking, I was like, wait a minute, we didn't talk about that. So, okay. Yeah, so it's, no. it, it, because you, so what we have on the, um, for those that are actually looking, uh, whether you're live or looking at on, on the YouTube channel, there is the, um, the, 
ticker on the bottom of the screen with the podcast on Apple as well as uh, Amazon. So actually, so what platforms are you on besides Amazon and Apple? I think I'm pretty much on everything. Um, okay. Yeah. It's Wherever just, you find podcasts. It sounds nice much, to be able to say that. Pretty much. I just click that button and it magically happens. So, yeah. Good. 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 <laughs> yeah. I love that. We, yeah, we have the same, we have the same, the, the, the same thing. And that's, it is a great thing because again, wherever, wherever, the, wherever your, your audience is going to find you, that's where you want to be. Um, so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, uh, and so you're, these are the only, you're two girls, the only children you have. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. And, and they're now where they're in college. One's in college. She is a junior in college. She just went back uh, last week and um, my other one is a senior in high school. So we're trying to figure out what the whole college thing is right now. So yeah. that, that's a fun challenge, right? Is, it, uh... <laughs> is that something she wants to do? Yeah, it is. And um, it's interesting because, you know, we always, you always have ideas of, what your kids are really good at and, and what their their passion is and and she came forward uh last year and told us something very different than what we had expected mm. so you know it's just wrapping your head around okay well that's great how can we get a job for that like so that's our position as parents my husband and i we want to make sure that when they graduate college that they can get a job and they right. can get a job that's going to pay for the lifestyle that they want to have mm -hmm. well, the so. The first thing you did, and kudos to both of you, is that you listened. You know, yeah. um, that may seem very elementary to you because that's just, you know, it's, it's who you are. But um, that's another thing I don't think we've talked about as a topic. We talked about sort of a mourning period that you go through when you have um, the gap between the child you expect to have um, to be born versus the child that you receive. And then the acceptance and being able to sort of, you know, accept what that situation is, make the most out of it and give yourself a shot at exceeding. Um, you know, we've never talked much about what parents may think or, or, or wish their child to do for a profession once, you know, once diagnosis and everything uh, comes into play and you've got a couple of years under your belt and you're kind of coming into um, whoever the child is going to, uh, to actually be, because that's something that's very um, interesting as well. So for her to want to go to college is great. And then for you guys to listen, that's important and, and, uh, and it's key. Yeah. Thank you. The it's, you brought two different points there. So I think it's interesting that the first, our first daughter, she's a very specific, very intense job that she wants to do. And she has this, these conditions that whenever she is maxed out and stressed, her body feels like it's breaking or she loses her energy. And I'm like, how are you going to live? over in Europe and do this really intense job when you have mm. all the stuff. And I realized that whatever we're doing now is going to help her do that. So by letting her go or encouraging her to go to college 14 hours away from us um, and living there, yeah. she's mm. got to figure it out. And that's going to be the next step. So when she does an internship in DC, then she's going to live in a city and she's going to learn how to do that. And she's going to have these building blocks on how she actually is going to get to that end job that she wants to have. So that's part of it. And then our younger daughter, um, she wants to have some form of art. Well, for somebody who suffers migraines, like it's brilliant. Like this is what she does as meditation. Like when she needs to relax, she always goes to art. Um, so I mm. think it's just, I don't know how she's gonna 
end up, what, what kind of career she's going to have. But we do know that whatever it is, like she's on the right path for that, that type of career. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? I, I, I mean, I think, again, we always talk about these, these issues that, that come up in our children who are dealing with special needs and medically complex issues, um, you know, and, and how they negotiate, navigate the world. And yet the reality is it extends so far beyond this community yeah. to, to every to neurotypical folks too, right? Because if you think about it, if we all chose jobs that <laughs> would, you know, would, would, would take care of our mental health and uh, be in the, in the best way, give us the optimal way of, of living, um, that would be ideal. And in fact, I think that is what happens. People just don't realize as they're going through it. At some point, there's enough stress in a job. They're like, oh, you know, I can't handle this any longer. And so, you know, we do, we do, we are pulled, but a lot of folks don't. They're like, well, this is a paycheck and I'm going to suffer through all of this. Whereas mm -hmm. with with our children who deal with special needs issues, if we start, if, if the whole world looked at it the way we do, which is what's the, what's the best what's going to be help my child be the most successful that's the path to go the rest will take care of itself right this yeah. that would be a different just to be a, 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 a much better way to approach the world of 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 career paths um i have by the way my 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 middle daughter just graduated from the university of vermont and she had a her major was in anth in anthropology and her minor was in i've screwed this up so many times because she has three minors it was art um, art, sociology, and Spanish. So, uh, and so like a lot of parents who think to your point, okay, well, what job does that lead to? But the reality is she's got such a broad base of, of things that she can really choose to do anything at, at the moment she's traveled to Israel to go teach English for the next year. So wow. either anthropology, no art, nor Spanish, you know, but that's okay. Um, because she's experiencing the world. And I think that for our children, you know, I'm, I'm less concerned about the job she's going to have after the fact. And I'm, I'm more into what are the experiences that she's going to have and she's going to give herself opportunities will present themselves after that. But I, you know, I know that that's as parents, we're kind of, it's ingrained to think, okay, what job can my child get? If they major in art, where are they going to go? Um, what, what are they going to do? And I just, I'm a, I'm a believer that opportunities present themselves for people who are following their passion and in your daughter's situation, something where her, where she's going to be able to really excel considering all the things that she goes through. And then, you know, the jobs will come. I, I, I truly believe that opportunity shows up for, for those who create their, create their path. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. But that's I, something I, that I, that I, that I need. I was sitting there thinking of, of our son, of Elijah, as you said that he's, he's 15. I have no clear thought as to what, um, his future looks like as far as uh, vocation, you know, um, he's in his first year of high school. So, well, actually technically is, it's actually technically a second. My gosh, that's how fast it goes by because the first year was actually virtual. This is the first year where he's actually physically there. But um, yeah, that's, um, that's, that's a, a billion dollar question. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't, I would never like push it. Like, so I always have the idea. I, I came from a family of teachers. So I just have a different, I you know, brain way for it. But you don't have to know what your career is going to be. You right. just have to know what path you want to be on. That's it, and then it, mm -hmm. it'll go in different different ways. So I always said, okay, well, how are you going to build your high school resume, and what is it going to look like? Just include your interests. It only all your interests. And our youngest really had no idea. She was one of those like the world is too big. I can't decide. Mm -hmm. um, but both of them really decided like in their junior year, like at the end of it, um, 
our oldest one, it was the 2016 election. So she became, found her passion for politics. Mm. Um, and it was like, that was it. Like, that's my life. And then our youngest, you know, when she really sat down, what does she want to do? She was art. So I would never rush anybody. I would yeah. just always encourage, just keep on following whatever you're interested in. Um, because that just takes you along. And, and I would think, Maura, with your clients, um, you know, this question of uh, what am I going to do? Because it's always the question that parents have with their, with their children. You know, first of all, is my child going to get through school? And is my child going to be able to live independently? And what kind of job is my child going to be able to, you know, to take? Do you have these conversations or these choice of vocation conversations with your clients? Is that, does that come up a lot in conversation? Not in the age bracket of, of my clients usually. Um, yeah, I, I haven't had a client that's needed that yet. How, and how young are they again? Remind me. I'm, I know you said her. Oh, my kids? No, the the age group of age age range of the clients that you that you deal with. Oh, they're usually in the, the their thirties or forties. Oh, okay. Yes, it's not it's not young young parents usually, gotcha. because they're usually in the thick of things and aren't ready to right. hire a coach like to help them go to the next time. It's when they're they've had enough and they're ready to get help for themselves. Love that. Yeah. Love that. By the way, we're, I'm a fan of coaches. We're, we're big fans of coaches. <laughs> I mean, the fact Michael Jordan needed a coach, right? And, uh, and he was the best. Tom Brady still needs a coach. And, uh, you know, so even if you're an elite athlete, you still need a coach. So a coach that guides you has the ability to, you know, take that 10,000 foot view and, you know, look at the things that you're not looking at when you're in the middle of it. And by the way, it doesn't matter what age you're at, you know. That's a perfect segue yeah. um, because there's two events I'm thinking of um, that are occurring close to the same time that are geared towards serving special needs families. And it comes to the idea that everybody should have a coach, a coach, right? Everybody should have a team, right? Especially someone that specializes in an area that you might not be um, an expert in someone where you can get out of the way and let them do that. We should all have someone that is an expert uh, or strong in terms of our finances, our spirituality, our diet, our nutrition. And, you know, I want to focus on, you know, our show is obviously about shining a light on our guests and lifting them up. And so speaking of events, um, why don't you tell us about your event um, coming up, which we are um, honored to be speaking at um, and kind of let everybody know uh, about that and where they might be able to even hey, register. You mentioned the first one was in, was in February. So let's talk about this one that's coming up. <laughs> yeah, sure. Actually, you know what? It really, I, I had to chuckle when I realized, I'm like, wait, this is right before mine. <laughs> is it right before? That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it is the Parent Caregiver Summit. So my first one was in February, like we said. It was just for um, moms of kids that had medical conditions. And then I realized that, again, I it's not just being inclusive, but like I want to really make sure that the people that – it's reaching the people that should get there. So it's the Parent Caregiver Summit, Kids with Disabilities Edition. Um I really would like it to be an annual thing. But this time our focus is to really bring ease into the, the daily life of the parent and the caregiver and just give them some simple plans. Like what are their go-to plans to make their life easier? And so I really polled my community and I said, what are you looking for? And they gave me all these different topics that they needed covered. And then I went out and I found speakers to, to do those topics. So clearly when it came to finances or planning, they needed help with that. And clearly I can't do that. So I came to, to the both of you to come do that. So the summit is from September 20th to the 22nd. 
and there will be uh, 14 speakers. We have a few sponsors that are going to be doing some really fun um, things along with this uh, summit. And we're, yeah, I'm just excited about it. That, that's fantastic. Yeah, we love it. We're inspired by that, too. <laughs> the fact that we're doing one as well. Sean, you're muted there, by the way. No, you're still muted. No, I know. I was talking to myself. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I was like, um, oh, hold on a second. No, but it's moving you get uh, parent caregiver parent caregivers summit.com, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay, good. We'll make sure we put that up there so that the viewers can, uh, who are can watching attend. can see. Yeah, they can attend that and it's it's free to attend. Correct. Yeah. So if they go to the website right now, there'll be a wait page, but then the registration opens next week and they'll get an email and they'll They'll be the first ones in the door. Um, the summit is completely free. So um, yeah, just come, enjoy. There's going to be a community off of Facebook. So um, I'm testing it out, but I'm pretty excited about it. Beautiful. Okay, there it is. We put it up on the screen, parentcaregiversummit.com. Mm -hmm. Great job. That's awesome. And this is your second one. So uh, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're way ahead of us. We, we, we decided to put one together with some of the folks that we've had on the show. Um, on the show, on, on our podcast, yeah. and, um, you know, with the idea that while we've, we give them the platform to talk about, now we're going to give them the, you know, the opportunity to talk about their, you know, specific work that they're doing, present, you know, do it as a presentation so that people have a full understanding of what it is that they do, what they offer, and then, you know, give them access to, so, you know, this may be somebody, a resource that they didn't have access to before, but they want to, they want to access now. So, um, like you, yeah. we want to do these as often as, as, as possible. Just again, we keep running into a lot of the same people now, and that's a good thing. I, you know, I think if you and if, if you and, and we have overlap, that's a good thing. That means that we're, you know, we're, we're, we're circling the, the wagon, so to speak on the folks who are providing service to the community. Absolutely. Right? So when I was, when I started doing, you know, listening to podcasts a few years ago, the only ones that I could find that really fit within my scope were 20 and 30 somethings that were always wow. talking about themselves. It wasn't about, you know, it wasn't about their children. It was how they were living with these chronic conditions. And it was really 2020 really just boomed. Um, and the whole industry has opened up and I've met so many great new people um, like you and, and some other ones that, yeah, just opened my eyes and opened my world. And I laugh. I never, ever saw myself as a special needs parent ever. Not once. Interesting. I always thought my kids had special needs, but I didn't think they were special needs. Um, so it was it's funny, like just my logic and how I'm developing as a person after being within this community and realizing is not as different as I was thinking it was gonna be. Um, so yeah, it's That's been interesting. Great. No, I agree. And, and and Sean says it every week. And I'm surprised I'm jumping in and gonna say it for him, but uh, you know, the reality is <laughs> you know, special needs are not really special. It's the same need that everybody has. They just yeah. need a little bit more yeah. you know, uh, be seen and heard and understood. Like your daughter's going into a doctor and like, oh, somebody understands what I'm going through, you know, and then, you know, but we all have that. We all have that need and some people just need a little bit more. And so that's really, that's really what makes it, what makes it special. It's interesting that you say, I didn't think I would, of myself as a parent of a child with special needs. And the reality is, I think most people, unless they're dealing with something very, you know, specifically diagnosed, a lot of people would feel the same way. And and in reality, we're all going to end up at some point at being considered part of the special needs community. You know, if we're caring for 
an older parent, for example, they have now become part of the special needs community. We just happen to call it long-term care because that's right. that's what they need, right? They need care to extend their life and and you know provide support for them as they get older. But that's that's same issues that special needs children go through, right? Some extra support, somebody who's yep. the aid, somebody who helps them do the daily activities that helps them get through the day and what whatever is it that they need to do. So we're all going to become you know, and you become a member of that of, of the community when you're caring for that person too. And then the other thing is, Brian and I have had several conversations. There's a couple of people that we work with that, you know, uh, some of them are in would be considered handicapped. Some in very debilitating situations, but they don't have an association or connection to this mission that we're on per se because they just don't. They just they just don't see themselves that way, and it's interesting because everybody speaks, um, everybody relates to the situation, you know, a little differently. Some people are, some people just go on with life, and they just they don't associate with any special groups or anything like that. And then there are those that are in denial, which is you know, which are two totally different things. But it's just another example of how we're each human beings, and we have to take a look at what each person's language is, and um, and you know how they relate to it too. Yeah, I love how you said that each person's language because it really the same word can mean something completely different to another person. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Those definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and, and we find you know in in our in our business that some people are like oh well I don't I don't have a client that has specifically a specific a special needs issue without realizing again that the stuff that we talk about it transcends this community and everybody you know everybody again needs the same needs the same thing so. The work that you're doing is amazing, and I, I when when Sean brought this up and you and, and you said no, it made me think: Are you going to write a book? You have a book in mind? You have a thought of, of being an author at some point? Um, probably not. No, not not unless you could take my podcast, take the transcript, and put it into a book. <laughs> hey, um, stranger things have happened, by the exactly. way. Exactly. But actually, I was smiling because we have somebody in the uh, in the summit that's going to help people to tell their story and write their book and their memoir or their their, whatever they need to tell. Um, so that's why I, was, that's why I was listening to it today. And I was like, oh, this is good. This is good. That's so, awesome. That yeah. is awesome. But I, again, these are stories that a lot of people think, well, why would I write a memoir? Why, why, why nobody's, who am I? Nobody's gonna, you know, I'm nobody special. Nobody's listening to me, but I'm, I'm always moved by, you know, stories and storytelling when people have share their story, especially by the way, even better if they think, well, nobody's going to really care about this. I'm just going to tell my story as it is. That's usually the most effective way because people can read can, see, can read themselves in those stories and uh, and it connects. So I know you say, no, you don't have a plan for it. I'm just going to just mark down here. I don't know. It's uh, August 25th, 2021. Let's see how long it takes for you to write a book. Anyways. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just like I was never going to have a podcast either. Remember right. that. It was three years right. ago. <laughs> right. Now your second summit within one year, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll yeah, but it, it was interesting. So yeah, if you do join the summit, the um, so Leah has a great thing. She talks about who you're writing the story for. You're writing it for somebody. You're writing it for yourself. You're writing it to educate. Like, And she gives you all these really great tips and examples. So who knows? I might be inspired by it. Beautiful. Wow. That's fantastic. So I, I mentioned that there's two coming up. Our purpose here today is really talk about yours. We have our own summit coming up as well. And I think it's funny how great minds think alike. But I think the one thing that they're both, um, that they have both have in common is the idea is to take a, a person's um, situation and make, uh, empower them to make the most out of their situation 
and out of their life. And in doing that, especially in hosting an event, um, that's a you know a sizable undertaking. It's a sizable one to do a one-day event. It's a sizable thing to do one that is more than two days and with us or more than one day. And with us doing our first one, you did one, your first one in February. That's not a big window between events. What is it that drove you to do another one so close together? And I, I, I'm asking, like, I'm taking notes. This is something you learn from, especially <laughs> as we get ready to do the first one. Like that's a, that's a small gap. Yeah. Well, the, the first idea that I was going to, I wanted to do one every six months. Like I just wanted to be like, you know, biannual thing. Um, and then after, before I even launched the very first one, I realized that there was so, so much in the marketing that I was missing mm. that I need, I almost wanted to make up for the first one in, in that regard that I wanted to be more inclusive. Um, the first one was only for women, only for moms and basically, cause that's who my clients are. Like that's who I knew. Yeah. Um, but then as I've expanded and I've met you and I've met so many others, I feel like I always have like a group that I could always come to and, and have it. And so, um, yeah, that's, that was the idea that, um, why I did it. I don't know. I think, I don't know if the next one will be in a year or seven months or whatever, but I do like the idea of having it broken down into disabilities or maybe rare disease and like just calling out different groups within it. Um, but we'll see, you never know. Interesting. Yeah. But something you did say before Sean that I liked, it's about bringing it together so the attendees can find the people that they need when mm -hmm. they're ready for them. So they yeah. know who to contact. They know they already have that connection. Um, and I, and I, I don't think most, you know, when you go to most, you know, like a summit or some type of convention or, you know, or something like that, one, you're paying a fee and somebody has something to kind of, you know, pitch or whatever have you. And the truth of the matter is, if there's something that somebody's going to offer one of the presenters or something, uh, if it is of real true value, it's not a strange thing for a person to have a fee for their their service or you know or, or something like that. And I think, but I think what happens is people kind of get jaded, and most people don't realize um, or don't expect to for somebody to put something on that really gives some just free information and time, you know, of value. And I think we need to make sure that we get that out as much as we can, because I don't know how much of that is kind of really going on and, you know, and, and taking place. I think people really need to kind of take heed. It's free. If you can show up for 20 minutes and get something, you see what the agenda is, you pick and choose what they're, you know, what's there. Uh, that, that, that's a really big deal. Absolutely. And it's not like a medical conference. Right. I don't know if you guys have seen, like when you go on online on, on Facebook, wherever there's always, ads for these medical conferences for whatever your child has mm -hmm. but it's exorbitant fee just to get the information that yeah you know, it's it's crazy like a hundred bucks for one day for half an hour it's like mm -hmm. so no no this is for real people to help you all free great love that love that and by the way still tremendous value like in that in this particular case really is the the, the value is going to be obvious i know from some of the folks that you've mentioned to us that you're having speak, they're going to get some, 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 some tremendous value in our, in ours as well. Some of the speakers that we have where they're offering, you know, discounts on services and, and other things to, you know, to add, add value for the registrants, you know, 
who, who are going to attend because it's just, you know, we want people to have access to this information. The challenge we have, and we mentioned this at the very beginning, the challenge most people have is the resources are there. They just don't know how to get to them. So the more of these kinds of summits and the more of these these things that we put together, um, uh, the more the more we're going to be able to reach a larger audience. And at the end of the day, that's we want people to know that the biggest challenge people tend to have in the very beginning when they first diagnose is, geez, I'm, I'm alone. Who, who, where do I turn for answers? Who do I go to? And, and the reality is we're making sure that people know they're not alone and that there's a ton of resources out there. We just have to be able to promote them. So yeah. kudos to you. Great job. Yeah. Peace and you, and you all, I mean, it's just, it's great. It was, it's so great to hear that other people want to have these kind of events to, to mm -hmm. just bring people together. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Let me ask you something. Uh, where in the country are you again? We live in Georgia. You're in Georgia. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and I think we talked about this before, but especially for our listeners, because I know it, I, I'm just curious too. It varies from state to state, um, especially with your, your daughter's ages and how long you've been a warrior. You know, the, the, the older a child is, the more of an ad, the more years as an advocate or the stronger an advocate a parent has had to be because the further back you go in time, the less resources there are, there are that are available. What are the resources like, in the state of Georgia based on your uh, experience? Um, my experience, things have been pretty easy. I know from other people that have kids with much more severe conditions mm -hmm. and they're thinking about leaving Georgia. So wow. I don't really know, you know, and I, I also say that I also really never thought of my kids as having special needs. So when they, the one of them was just diagnosed with ADHD. And so it's really brought these other questions. Both of them have struggled their entire lives, mm -hmm. but they've always probably because they're girls just been, you know, we always got them to advocate for themselves in school. We've always taught that we've always forced that. Mm -hmm. um, and when it came to high school, we were trying to get diagnosed so we could get a 504. That was the biggest struggle. Um, mm -hmm. But once we got that 504, anything we ask for inside the school has been fine. Um, mm -hmm. But like I said, I do know of other people that it's not been great for. Right, right. And then for those that are new to a diagnosis and new to this at all, can you explain what the 504 is? Sure. It was new to me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, senior of high school and all of a sudden I need a 504. Um, mm -hmm. So it basically allows uh, my daughters to have certain allowances inside the classroom to help her to have an even balance between the students in the same classroom that don't have extra needs. Right. Um, and that that's really what it is. So for her, it was an audiobooks. It was, you know, people taking notes for her. It's extra mm -hmm. time on tests. It's extra time right. on everything. Um, yeah. And that's the thing for people that are that are new that are listening to know whether it is an IEP and an individualized uh, education program or the 504, there are accommodations to um, assist the teacher in speaking your child's language so that they're in the best position to um, to succeed. Because lots of times what we do, especially if we have children that are over, say, the age of 10, you know, we, and we've been at it on the yeah. front lines for a decade or close to it, you're kind of, you know, get into the yeah 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 just you forget what it's like to be new to that experience and that's where it goes back to a, something else we could have a whole show on but you know we get used to our own shoes and that's where you know the world becomes a better place and has a greater shot at it if we remain childlike 
and less childish. In other words, get curious about somebody else's experience. What is it like to go through that? You know, and and not forget what it was like for you. That's the best way that we can help each other out. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It was getting a 504 for somebody with chronic fatigue syndrome is almost impossible. Really? They it to be officially diagnosed, it has to be over six months with these symptoms. Mm. And she, it was her senior year, like there's no way we could wait six months. Um, so what I did, I kind of like manipulated the system a little bit, but mm -hmm. I got the, the doctors to at least diagnose the symptoms. Like don't give me a diagnosis, but give diagnose what the symptoms are. And these are actually the symptoms and we can get 504s off of that. So that's what we did. So that's we got her a 504 within three months instead of six months. Mm, wow. Now is that, is that a challenge that is uh, generally so, or is that specific to Georgia or do you know? I have no idea. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have no idea. I had wow. some friends all over the country, because of course I'm part of a CFS group, um, who literally write the 504s, give them to the doctor, the doctor signs it because they agree to it, mm -hmm. and then the doctor sends it back to the school. Wow. And see, and wow. that's that men mentality is what people forget, whether yeah. it's a 504, an IEP, you know, whatever it is, these people are working with you, not for you, but with you. So what happens many times is person finds out about the IEP, the meeting takes place, they go in and they, well, here's the accommodations, here's what we're going to do. And yeah, this is where you sign. You don't have to sign that the day of, and if you do, it can always be amended. Mm -hmm. These are, your child has, you know, has rights, but you can't go fight for rights. You know, if you've got a war that is taking place, right. And somebody gives you a BB gun and a slingshot, right. If you have access to a tank, you can't ask for it if you don't know that you have access to the tank, right. you know, yep. and that's what typically happens. Yeah. The um, Georgia, our county, I won't say Georgia, but our county just uh, changed the rules on doing uh, recovery tests in high school. And it does not benefit my daughter whatsoever. So mm -hmm. I immediately wrote a late email the very first day of school to the 504 group and said, this is not acceptable and you will have to make an accommodation because it's just, for a child with migraine, like constantly, and mm -hmm. only have the chance to up, to recover one test the entire semester, yeah. or it was nine weeks. That's yeah. you know, she fails a test on a on a daily, but when her brain was working properly, then she can think straight, and then she can yeah. pass tests. So, I think that that goes back to the whole childlike versus childish thing, which is there are things that. We got to remain curious about people and about their situations. Mm -hmm. You can ask a question. Questions are more powerful than statements. And if they're asked with concern and love, they go a long way. Because you can ask a question with judgment. Oh, why'd you do that? I was like, hmm, why did you do that? How, how does that work? Because we have this, this a, a small set of rules that applies to everybody in terms of what people need. But each situation is different, though. Yeah. Yeah, and you really need to find out. Um, I When you were, you were saying before, I forget which one of you, really describing like in that childlike idea that's something that i really had to start learning how to do because you could say you know she's got a migraine and you take it from whatever position you know about migraines whether you've had them or not but when i say you know her brain feels so heavy that it's like a bowling ball she can't think straight you know when she has a headache you know she mm -hmm. starts getting a fever when i start telling you those things or when i say my daughter with cfs you know felt like a rag doll 
her fingers feel like they're breaking. You can relate to those better wow. because that's something you could understand. Mm. And here's the, here's the thing too. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but I bet my life that there's something to be said for a diagnosis that a person has and how one and their body and or their system and their mind reacts or responds to that diagnosis. Because you can take two people that are diagnosed with the exact same thing and they respond to it and their bodies respond to it completely differently. So the question yeah. isn't, what mm -hmm. do they have? Hmm, how is this affecting them, that yeah. person, not how it affects people generally speaking, because it's just like, you know, a lot of the athletes that have given us a pause to think about uh, redefining mental health. You know, you look at certain situ people's situations like, oh, they should be able to push through that. Okay, they should, but you're not them. You're not in their shoes. I don't, from my perspective, yeah, maybe they should be able to push through that, but I am me, they are, the, you know, they are who they are. And we just, again, we don't have enough curiosity and far, much, far too much judgment in the world. Yeah, and we really have to stay open-minded. So one of my daughters has um, a really super, super high tolerance for pain. And one does not have any mm -hmm. tolerance for pain whatsoever. Right. And they both have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. So that, that's where the joints are super loose and um, super flexible and they can do crazy things with their bodies. Um, it wow. affects them completely different. Like mm. I would never have thought one daughter had it and she was diagnosed before the more flexible daughter had it. Wow. wow. So, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of learned about that when I, I tore the ACL and meniscus in my left knee playing basketball. And I remember when I had surgery, the doctor told me, you know, these things are different. You can have the same injury in the other knee and your body will respond to it differently. So mm -hmm. again, that's just another level of curiosity. Speaking of yeah. which, um, we have a question that we have a question, but I asked the question <laughs> of, all, of all of our guests. And it is based on the following. We just talked about curiosity, being able to, you know, grow and, you know, the best way to change the world is to, is, is to learn. So, and, uh, and to be able to, to change. Right. And so with that in mind, what we generally will ask each of our guests is the following. Think of a thought um, philosophy or, or belief that you've had for most of your life that you would swear by, um, you know, you live your life by it, that you now no longer believe to be true. And give us one example of that. Uh, you know, this is one of those things that I've been trying to figure out how to verbalize for the last year or so. Mm -hmm. um, and so the idea, because that's all I can say right now, the idea is that when you're when you grow up you're taught that the world is a certain way you're taught mm -hmm. that this is how things feel this is how you should react to those things and this is who we should listen to and what i learned five years ago is throw it all out mm -hmm. decide who you want to be how you want to show up and mm -hmm. what you're going to do about it right so you know for me you know, how doctors were five years, uh, you know, 20 years ago or more is not who they are today. So the diagnosis that I got all back then mm -hmm. does not really reflect who I am. So I've been challenged to maybe go to see new doctors. But if I had, excuse me, if I had been, um, if I had followed the route that the doctor said about my daughter with chronic physique syndrome, I would have thought it was completely mental. Mm. I would have thought that it was psychosomatic because that's what the doctor said and that's what's expected and mm. 
one of the things that I'm realizing, not that this is rare disease, but the rare disease, they always say it's the um, zebra in a herd of, of horses, right? They all sound the same. They're all about the same size, but it's different. And no doctor really looks for the zebra. Mm-hmm. So you need to go searching for it. And once you go and you, you get the diagnosis, then you have something to attack and something to plan for. I feel like right. everything in life is like that. Like right now, I question all my beliefs. Like, what did I believe about that? Why was that true for me? Mm-hmm. And I question it. And then I take it from a stand of where I am today. And I make a choice based on what the reality of today is, not what my reality was when I was a teenager or what my parents said or what anybody else in my life said. That's fantastic. It is because lots of times people's answers for things are, we've always done that. Like, well, we've always done what we've always done. We live in caves. Everybody would be enslaved. The average life expectancy would be, you know, half of what, like, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've always done that. (laughs) Science has changed, you know, change, you know, if we had done that, there's so, I could, there's so many examples how this could be used, but this is a different story. (laughs) But, it's why most people don't e- evolve, which means they don't really, you know, live, which means they're barely like alive. You know, I, I just think that we should be asking questions all the time, all the time. And that's why I like to say we start out as close to perfect as we can ever get as kids, because if we fall down literally or figuratively, we'll get right back up. Eventually you fall a couple of times. The people, the very people who would take a bullet for you tell you, Oh, don't run. Don't do this. Don't take chances. And before you know it, Literally and figuratively, you run less and you walk yeah. and you sit on the couch and then you blow up. <laughs> and then I found, I, we're kind of getting close probably, but I found that even like with myself and especially when I'm coaching people on this, mm-hmm. it's really scary to take that step on the ledge mm-hmm. and take the, the different course of action. Like, oh, yeah, move, move your life. It's really scary to question mm-hmm. yourself and what you've always thought because yeah. you might be wrong. That's why they and who say would that, that mean if I was wrong. Yes, that's why they say there's some value in like whether it's taking a cold shower or brushing your teeth with a different hand. Do something different that you're not used to just for the sake of it because we have to remain open. If you're not closed, you should shrink and die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is actually another great segue as we sort of wrap up this episode. <laughs> um that worked out so perfectly see what happens when you do 53 episodes of this you know you sort of find someday a someday I'll find a there. flow find a you're flow gonna get, <laughs> you're gonna get there you'll find the flow so as we wrap up first of all Maura, thank you so much for for spending your time with us and and sharing your story with us um, fascinating i'm excited to be spending more time with you um with your summit and ongoingly as we as we continue to expand this uh, yeah thank you this 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 network of ours and i always say as, at the end of every show you know now more than ever uh, empathy and love is, you know, is 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 constantly called upon. So anytime you look at somebody, if you can look at at them, you know, through the eyes of uh, of a, of an empathetic observer, and know that and, and and interact with them with love, then you know the world would be a much better place. So mm-hmm. um, to everybody who who's who listens in, hopefully you know that we all love you. We we love you all. Um, for those that are our regular listeners, like Joe, my daughter Joe listens in almost every single week and contributes, which I love. And our, our producer, Sean Hall, out in Hawaii, um, who has puts together all of our graphics and kind of keeps us all on social media. Sean Hall, we love you. And uh, to everybody else who, who was listening in and, and, and contributing and sharing, thank you so much for, the, for contributing to our lives. Um, we do this just two dads chatting, you know, about things that are important to us and things that we find, and, you know, interesting 
to us in the in the needs that we have to make sure that our, our children and our families are successful. But we're fortunate that we always get to interact with such phenomenal people like Mora, who are also who've taken their situation and turned it into a service, a product, something that's going to benefit the greater the greater community. So thank you again, Mora, and thank you everybody for for listening in and catching us on WSTX Radio down in the Virgin Islands and across podcasts everywhere. And I'll throw it to you, Sean, to, to close us out. Yes, once again, thank you, Mora. It was just a pleasure to have you here and to have the opportunity to exchange energy with you and add value to others. Um, and, you know, again, we like to say that there isn't such a thing as special needs. And when we began the show, we hadn't arrived at that conclusion yet. Uh, I owe part of that philosophy to a frequent uh, contributor and uh, and uh, viewer and one-time guest, Mr. Robert Moorhead, which is that we don't have special needs. We all have the same needs. Everyone needs to know that they're loved. Everyone needs to know that they're seen, needs to know that they're heard, and needs to know that, they're, that they matter. You may simply need more of those things based on a diagnosis or a condition, but it's all the same, and we need each other. And um, I want to make sure that, as always, I thank um, the women in my life for whom I am grateful and without them I couldn't begin to try to be who I attempt to be. That is my mom, Jan, and my amazing wife, Laura. So again, everyone, thank you very much. And um, we will see you next time. On Just Two Dads. So Maura, hang in there. We, we're going to have a little post chat and everybody else for, for spending time with us. Thank you guys again. Thank you, everybody. We love you. Thank you. Bye.